you have your Bibles this morning, and you would, find 1 Samuel 14 as we are just continuing through this book. And as you're finding that, I have a card I would like to read to you. Dear Ten Mile Baptist Church, we want to thank you so much for the beautiful wreath you sent to our father's visitation and funeral. We greatly appreciate your thoughtful gift. We want to thank you for all the prayers and support during our father's hospitalization and passing. You were a comfort, and God bless you all. And with love, your the Golson family. And so that is from uh, Jerome Golson's family. It's two daughters and two son-in-laws. And uh, as always, thank you for being who you are and how you love other people. And uh, first, uh, Samuel chapter 14, we're in a series called The Danger of Me, Myself, and I. And uh, we're on part three, I believe. But today, I, the title is of that, but the under subtitle is God is Still at Work. You see, I think that sometimes when life doesn't go the way that we think it should, or the sins and mistakes of our life seem to be piling up, or when the persecution and difficulty comes, I think it's sometimes easy to feel like God has forgotten us, or the fact that could God use someone like me, or does God have a purpose for my life, or a plan for who I am. It's easy to allow the past to define who we are, but yet our past or our mistakes do not define who we are. Who God says we are defines who we are. But even though we know that in our head and we know that in our Bible and we know that in our lives, but when practically it begins to get difficult, it is very easy not to remember that. And if you remember where we're at, Saul has said, whoever has eaten, whoever has caused this victory not to be as great as it could have been, they're going to die. And Jonathan says, I'm the one who ate. Uh, Jonathan hadn't made the oath. Jonathan hadn't swore. But yet, he says, I'm the one that ate. And so what Jonathan did was he said, before God and before these people, I'm just telling you what happened. You make the decision yourself. And, John, and Saul says, well, the Lord do more to you and so much more. What, the, what he was saying really was, if God doesn't strike you down, then it should happen to me. And as we know, the people intervened and said, Jonathan is not going to die. Now, that's a pretty significant story if you're a parent or if you have nieces and nephews, or if you love anyone on this planet at all, the idea that, all right, Lord, take them out for eating some honey that they didn't know they weren't supposed to eat, um, that seems extreme. But yet, here we are in this story. What happens next? Because all of us have been there. All of us have had heartbreaks, tragedy, sin, mistakes, shame, all of us. And if you're here today and you're saying, well, not me, Jake, I, you know, I, I got saved when I was nine and I've lived perfect ever since. The Bible says that if you say that you have no sin, the truth of God is not in you. So if you're sitting here today thinking that you have no sin, no mistakes, no failures in your life, look up here. You need to get saved because we all sin and all fall short of the glory of God. And so it's not a question of of if you have had sin in your life, or if you will have sin in your life, 
The question is, where do you go from that sin? Where do you go from that mistake? Where do you go from that heartbreak? Where do you go from that depression and discouragement? Where do you go from there? And I think it's important today because we see that even though Saul has made a mess of things, I mean, he has literally made a mess of everything, that God still is at work. Today, you might think you've been a terrible husband or wife and that your marriage is useless. Friends, God can still work. You think, Jake, I raised my kids and they've wandered from the Lord and, and, and they don't want to go to church. They don't want to talk about the things of God at all. And, and I just feel like a failure when I look back at things. Just remember that God is still at work. You say, well, churches are not perfect. You're absolutely right. None of them are. But yet God is still at work. And so this morning I want to show you that if you will join with me. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence for the reading of God's word, we're going to read verses 47 through 52. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he harassed them. And he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The sons of Saul were Jonathan, Jeshuai, and Malchishua. And the names of his two daughters were these, the name of the first, Mirab, and the name of the younger, Michael. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz, and the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abel. Now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul, and when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. And so if you would pray with me. Father, as always, we come today thankful for your word. We thank you for the privilege to open it and to study it. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would take it and work in our hearts and lives today. Lord, I pray that first and foremost, you would convict in the lives of anyone here that doesn't know you. But Lord, that you'd also work in your people to show us no matter how down we seem, no matter how discouraged we are, no matter how broken we feel about ourselves, Lord, that you have a purpose and plan for us. And so, Father, I pray that you would help me to say the things that I should and to not say the things that I shouldn't. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so here we go. Saul has just got done with this great event of wanting his son to die for eating some honey. And what happens next? You would think that God says, I'm done with you, Saul. I'm not going to use you. I'm going to let your enemies overwhelm you. I'm going to let your enemies destroy you. I'm going to let your enemies kill you. But that doesn't happen. And I want to show you this this morning because I want you to know that the reason that you were saved is not because of you. It is by the grace of God. And you today are saved, not just when you are born again, but the fact that God keeps you saved is by 
His grace. And so today when you and I begin to believe the lies of the world or the lies of what other people think of us or, or the lies that the devil tells us that you're no good, that you have no value, that you are not bigger than your mistakes, you need to be reminded that God will use you, that God has a purpose for you. And so I want to show you these three things very quickly here this morning. And the first is this. God gave victories even though Saul wasn't perfect. God gave victories even though Saul wasn't perfect. So look here in verses 47 and 48. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side. Against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned... He harassed them, and he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. You see, those first four or five enemies, what happened is he was defending the borders of Israel. He was pushing back these people who had invaded their land. He was fighting defensively, but yet God was giving him the victory. The second part of that where it says he went to war against the Amalekites, he goes on the offensive. You see, I think that God gives us this example because sometimes we genuinely feel that God can't use us. That God doesn't have a purpose for me. That God, that God doesn't have a plan for my life. And what we see here is God didn't just give Saul a victory. He gave him multiple victories. He gave him the ability to defend the homeland, to defend Israel. And in your life, you need to understand something. When you first and foremost want to get serious about your relationship with God, that's between you and Him. You need to understand that there are things here that He needs to work on. He needs to work on you first before He fixes everybody else in your life. If you want to be a better husband, you get along with God about your sin and your relationship with your wife. Wives, if you want to have a, a better marriage and it's all his fault, first you get along with God and let him deal with you. You see, first and foremost, we have to deal with those issues that are close to home before we continue to push out. That's why the Bible says for a pastor that my home must be in order. Because it's useless for me to get up here and preach to you about marriage and family and finances and all of these things if mine is not that way at home. And so first and foremost, look here and remember that God wants to work in your life, in your home, in your marriage, in your children, in your place of employment. Most of us want to begin to run before we learn to crawl. And then walk. And so many times we want to do everything else for God except for let God deal with us. You see, what good does it do for me to go up here and preach to you on forgiveness if I'm not willing to forgive? What point is it for me to stand up here and preach about living through adversities if I'm not willing to first trust that God has me in the trials and tribulations of my life? You see, friends, that's what is most important. God will give you victories at home. He will give you victories in your life. But you have to be willing to humbly say, Lord, I know that you are not done with me. See, most of us just quit. We give up. We quit reading our Bible when someone hurts us. 
We quit praying when it doesn't turn out the way that we think it should. We quit loving people because a friend betrayed us. We give up on church because a pastor fails us. You see, those are the worst things you can do. Because even though God has not said he's done with you, what you've said is, I'm done. And friends, what God wants you to know is, regardless of your faults and failures and mistakes of your past, God said he is not done with you. And so we see this here, that he harassed them. That means he was attacking them at every point, every opportunity. God gave him victories. I want to show you this just throughout the span of the Bible. And you can find something very similar to this if you just Google failures of great individuals in the Bible. Something very similar to that. Think about this. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Jacob was a liar. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Paul was too religiously zealot. And Lazarus was dead. You see, the Bible is full of broken people who God used. And you need to understand something. You're broken. (laughs) You're a sinner. But yet God says, if you'll come to Him and trust Him and repent, He will use you. Look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Because sometimes it's an old and young thing. I'm too young for God to use. I'm too old for God to use. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12, it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come again, give attention to reading, to exhorting, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. You see, God says, don't let anyone look down on you because of your age. If God has given you a gift, if God has given you a calling, if God has given you a purpose, use it. Because not only will God use it in your life, but listen to what he says. To save both yourself and those who hear you. You see, God works here and then he works there. Second thing I want to show you this morning from this text is not only does God give victories even though Saul or we are not perfect. The second thing is God has people in our lives for a reason. Now, If you're Saul, and this is just all taking place, your family is probably pretty leery of you, right? So you're going to do that to Jonathan, and he is the favorite son, right? And and as parents, we try not to have the favorite kid, and I think it's possible not to have a, a favorite child, but sometimes you definitely like your kids more than the other ones, okay? It just happens when three of them are screaming and fighting and and jumping off the table, and the one sitting there praying and reading her Bible, it's like, that one takes after me, those take after their mother. But I want you to hear this. Listen, God does not do things by accident. 
So in three verses before, Saul says, kill Jonathan, God, if that's what you want. And then here he starts listening all of his family members. You see, God has people in our lives for a reason. And so I know these names are difficult and I don't pronounce them all right, um, but I'm going to give it a whirl again. The sons of Saul, unless someone wants to volunteer and read them all, uh, Jonathan, Jeshua, and Malkishua. And the names of his two daughters were these. The name of the first, Mirab, and the name of the younger, Michael. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of of Abel. Now think about this. This is significant for a couple different reasons. One, he doesn't just lift Jonathan, he lists the other sons. And this is significant because here in a few chapters, these three sons are going to die with their father on Mount uh, Gilboa. They were loyal to their dad. They fought with their dad. They, they stayed with him regardless of his up and down. But he also mentions his daughters. Now, if you're familiar with King David and who he marries first and some of these things, or Abner and the role he plays later on in the uh, book of 1 Samuel and, and 2 Samuel, you'll understand this. You see, God mentioning their names here doesn't mean much to you and I. But it still mattered. It would have mattered to Saul as the Philistines in 1 Samuel 31, and you can read ahead if you want, are... The Israelites are being defeated by the Philistines and they are up against this mountain and they're going to be defeated and he's not alone. It matters when his daughter and King David, it matters when Abner, it matters. And so just because you don't think God has a purpose for you today, God knows your name. And just like it might not make any sense right here to name these people, well, what's the purpose of that? We're talking about war, family, and war. But God put them in there for a reason. Because regardless of the victories that God allows you to have, or regardless of the defeats that you go through, regardless of where you're at, God will bring victories not only to you, but to who? People. God doesn't celebrate a building. God, God doesn't celebrate... A landscaping. God celebrates lives being changed. All of heaven rejoices when what? One sinner is saved. Not one gymnasium is built. Not new furniture in the lobby. Not new, new choir chairs. God is in the business of changing the lives of People. Now, I'm not against new choir chairs. I'm not against a gymnasium. I'm not against all those things. I believe it's important. But God is in the business of seeking and saving the lost. God is in the business of restoring families, marriages, and lives. And so when God lists people in the Bible, it's important to remember that God knows their name. And God knows your name. That's why the Bible says that God knows the number 
of the hairs that are on your head. That means he knows exactly how many is there and how many is gone. And you see, friends, it's important because God has people in our lives for a reason. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says it like this. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Now, I hope that I'm going to announce this before church is over, but when you leave today, I want you to stop out there at that table that David and Karen have put together. Why? Because today is Armed Forces Day. We celebrate those who are actively serving in the military. And that is a good thing to think about. But it's a whole lot different when it's your child serving in active duty. When it's your spouse when it's your grandchild, when it's your niece, when it's your nephew. It goes from, uh, 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 how many active military servicemen do we have today? Five, but how many do we have total? Any ideas? I don't know, a couple hundred thousand probably? Probably more than that? Someone's going to Google that and shout that out here in a minute. I'm like, how many people need to be saved? Two million and 37. Yeah. But it's, it's one thing to think about all of them. But it's a whole other thing when you walk out there and there are five pictures of five people that you probably know or you might know them, but you know their moms and their dads and their grandmas and their aunts and their uncles. You see, it goes from being a group to individuals. And this story, reading about the nation of Israel, there are millions of people in Israel. There are millions of people in this, these stories in the Old Testament, but he gets specific because God doesn't just know this group of people. God just doesn't know your family unit. God knows you. Yes, 1.5 million. See, that seems like a bigger number, but when it's one. And so I want you to hear that today because I want you to go out there and I want you to get one of those pieces of paper with an address on it and I want you to send them a card saying, you might not know me, but I thank you for your service. And pray. Whatever, you, whatever God lays on your heart to hide, to remind them why. Because they matter and you matter and the people in your life matter. And so don't believe the lie that God has no purpose for you, no people in your life. And the third and final thing Saul continued to move forward and look for those who'd help accomplish the mission. And in your life, you have to make a decision. I'm going to continue to move forward. I'm going to keep doing what God asked me to do. And I'm going to look for those people who God brings along to help me in that journey. Look what it says here in verse 52. Now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any, when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. You see, as Saul was going to war, he recognized that he needed people to fight with him, to go to war with him. And he doesn't say the weak and the puny. He doesn't say the, the pitiful and the prideful. He says strong and valiant men. You see, friends, you need to understand something. 
We are all sinners. We are all broken. We are all saved by grace. But that doesn't give us an excuse to do nothing for God. You say, well, Jake, I'm just a soul sinner saved by grace. I don't, I don't read very well, so I don't need to know my Bible. You're lying to yourself. Well, I don't pray as pretty as someone else does, and so I'm not going to pray. No, see, you've went from taking God's grace as a gift to abusing the gift of God. Well, I, I, know, I, should, I know I should sing, and I know God gave me this good singing voice, but, but I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm missing my six front teeth, so I don't want to sing in the choir. If you're missing your six front teeth, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to make fun of you. You see, friends, many times you have to recognize that God wants you to be growing in your faith. God wants you to be usable in your faith. There are some people that if you ask them to do anything in church, you'd be a fool. You know why? Not because they couldn't do it. Not because God hasn't called them to do it. But because many times they wouldn't show up. They, they wouldn't participate. They're as committed as, well, I don't know what the example would be that doesn't get me in trouble. You see, friends, you have to understand something. If someone is valiant and they are strong, that means they have been putting it on display. And friends, what you need to do is, when you surround yourself with people in your walk with Christ, don't surround yourself with people who talk a good game or look a certain way, but who are putting their money where their mouth is. Surround yourself with people not who talk about prayer, but who... Pray. Don't, don't surround yourself with people who, who, who talk about money advice. Surround yourself with people who know how to manage their money God's way. You see, use those people in your life that God gives you. Now, that doesn't mean there's not a time to, to help the broken and the hurting and to, to lift people up. But friends, you ought to be surrounding yourself with people who God is using and working so that they can help you and you can help them accomplish what God is wanting for your life. It's kind of like this. Jamie has uh, led the music here since about 2003. He tried to give it up one time. It didn't work out. He's back. So, and we're going to keep him forever. But, uh, but it would be one thing if someone walked in on the street for the first time and said, I'm a really good singer. I really would like to lead the song service today. Sure, come on up here. Get up here and sing like anything you've ever heard, right? Oh, You look at me like, what's wrong with that joker? But no, if you had sung before and you were here before and you had a gift before and, and, and Jamie's going to be gone for vacation like he does a couple times a year and he looks for someone to do what? Lead worship. He's going to do it with someone he knows that can do it. Someone that has experience do it. That's someone who hopefully is right with God to do it. Why? Because it matters. Friends, that's the way it is. You do what God has called you to do. And you trust that he will continue to use you. You say, Jake, oh, I'd love to teach. I want to teach, but I just, I don't have an opening right now. You just keep studying. You keep praying. When God's ready, he'll open that up. 
You say, oh, Jake, I'd love to do this for the Lord, or I'd love to do that for the Lord, or I'd love to see this happen in my life. You be faithful while you wait, and when God is ready for you, and God opens a door for you, He will. You see, these men didn't go looking for Saul. Saul went looking for them. And if Saul, who is a wicked king, knows how to spot those people who are healthy and usable, do you not think that God can? God knows what you're doing in your private Bible study. God knows if you're preparing and seeking His faith and loving Him. God knows that. And when the time is right, when the battle that God has for you to fight, when the ministry that God has for you to lead, when the opportunity that God has for you to walk through, He knows where to find you. Don't miss that. Because so many times we believe the lie that because we're not perfect, God can't use us. And many times we don't take the people in our lives as a blessing as they should be. And third and finally, sometimes we're not willing to be faithful while we wait when God is looking for people to be a part of the victory. See, that's where we get in trouble in a church. In church, we think that people are required to win the victory. But it's not that way. God is required to win the victory. We just get to participate. It's like Moses told the children of Israel when they were going to go into the promised land. The Lord goes with you and before you. The Lord is going to fight for you. The Lord is going to defeat your enemies. All you have to do is show up and fight. All you have to do is show up and be obedient. You see, friends, it's not my responsibility to save sinners. It's my job to pray and to preach. It's not your job to make the Holy Spirit work during a song service, but it is your responsibility to repent and to worship. You see, we've got too busy trying to accomplish results when God says He is the one who gives the increase. It's just my job to work the field. It's just my job to do my part. And whatever God wants to do out of that, I've got to be okay with. And so do you. In your marriage, you can't change your partner. In your place of employment, you can't change your coworkers. In a church this big, you can't change everybody. All you can do is be faithful to God. All you can do is be a faithful spouse. All you can do is be a faithful co-worker. All you can do is be a faithful church member. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to close. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is there therefore not of the body? 
And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in his body just as he pleased. And if there were all one member, where would the body be? You see, God has you created fearfully and wonderfully. He has you specifically crafted the way that he wants you to be because he has a purpose for you. You say, well, Jake, I'm not like so-and-so. Great. Well, I, I don't have the same gift as this person. Great. God has a different purpose and plan for each of us. And he brings us together in a family. And he puts us here. Quit trying to be a square if God wants you to fit into a circle hole. Many times we try to imitate other people and there's a purpose for that, yes. But God doesn't want you to be a copy. I'm not the same preacher as Brother John was. He has his differences, I have mine. And that's okay. I don't have the same qualities and characteristics as David Jeremiah. I know how much you love him, that's okay. But God has made me who I am. And God has made you who you are. And you need to be faithful where he has you. Faithful in what he's asked you to do. Husbands and wives, your marriage might be different than anyone else. You might be upset because, because, because they're, they're, they've got enough money in their marriage that, that they don't have to work two jobs and, and overtime. Or you, you, you're upset because you don't have the big house and the fancy car. Friends, you have no idea what their struggles are compared to what yours are. As Dave Ramsey says, everybody's got lots of stuff and most everybody's broke. So don't believe the lie. My kids say that all the time. Daddy, I wish we had a couple of four-wheelers and a couple of jet skis and a couple of this and a couple of that and a couple of this. I wish we were rich like everybody else. You know what I tell them? We don't own nothing like everybody else. That makes my blood pressure stay down. They don't understand that as kids. But one of these days, they will. And that's okay. Friends, today, listen here. It's not an accident. That here on Armed Services Day, we're looking at a passage of Scripture about military conquest. Today, I want you to thank and pray for those who serve our country. I want you to do that. But I also want you to hear this. That if you are saved, you were a part of the family of God. And he has a purpose and marching orders for you. Be faithful. But third and finally, if you're here today and you're saying, Jake, I'm not a believer. I'm not a part of the family of God. I, 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 I'm going to get there on my own. Or I'm not bad enough to need Jesus, friends. You are mistaken. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that you cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot earn God's love. You are a sinner. That's why Jesus Christ came, died upon the cross, was buried, rose again three days later. That if you'll repent of your sins, call upon his name, you will be saved. You see, friends, don't believe the lie that you don't need Jesus. And don't believe the lie that you're not that you're not savable.
because of who you are. I believe when Jesus died upon the cross, he died for the sins of the whole world, and that includes you. And so today, if you need salvation, if you need a purpose, a plan, if you need to know what your, your calling is in your life, if you, if you need hope to stick it out in, in your marriage or forgive someone at work today, that can be your day. But you've got to come and ask the Lord for it. Pray with me as Janice and Jamie come. Father, we thank you so very, very much for who you are. And Lord, I thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that I have uh, uh, explained it well and how it applies to our life. But Lord, ultimately, I know that it's your spirit who implants this into our hearts. Lord, I know it's your spirit who writes these words on our hearts and not on tablets. And so, Father, I pray today that your spirit would be at work in the lives of your people showing them and changing them and making them into who you want them to be. And today, Father, I pray for that person that's here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, that person who was baptized as a kid but, but recognizes today, Lord, they've never truly been saved. Lord, that today they would come and trust you. Father, for that believer who has believed the lies of Satan and discouragement and defeat, or Lord, whatever it is, that today they would come get hope, forgiveness, and love that you have promised to us. And so, Father, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life, or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.